Designer babies, the end of disease. Genetically modified humans that never age. Outrageous things that used to be science fiction are suddenly becoming a reality. And the only thing we know for sure is that things will change irreversibly. This, my friends, is our future. Hi, my name is Nina Salazar, and thank you for tuning in to Synthetic Genetics. So as you're listening, you're probably wondering what the heck this podcast is about. Well, it's pretty much a discussion on certain views on Get This. Genetic engineering. I know, you're probably like, what the heck is this? So hold on, I'm about to throw a whole bunch of information at you. So the basic definition of genetic engineering is it's the direct manipulation of DNA to alter an organism's characteristics in a very specific way. The whole process is based on altering the human genome, which holds all the information a human needs in order to grow and develop. There are three main applications of genetic engineering. Human genetic, there are genet, human genetic modification, genetic trait selection, and then human cloning. I will mainly be discussing genetic enhance, uh, gen, human genetic modification. So let me tell you a little about, bit about genetic trait selection. It's procedures like in vitro fertilization, or otherwise known as IVF. And for those of you who don't know, IVS is a process of fertilization where an egg is combined with a sperm outside of the body, then manually combining the egg and sperm in a laboratory dish. I know, weird. The embryo is then transferred into the uterus, thus creating a beautiful child, you know. And in case you were wondering, I myself am an IVF baby. I know, I'm pretty special. For human genetic modification, there are three main gene therapies. And these therapies are somatic, germline, and enhancement. Somatic and germline are the kind of therapies that can help save lives. See, somatic therapy, or somatic genome editing, is the placement of a human gene into a living person's somatic cells. This consists of internal organs, skin, bone marrow, blood, and connective tissue. This type, this type of gene therapy would aim to cure disease in only the patient, not the patient's descendants. And that's really important when discussing the ethics of genetic engineering. So it's not passed down from generation to generation. And clinical trials of somatic genome therapy is performed for conditions such as cystic fibrosis. Germline therapy is when the DNA of a person is changed, and it not only changes that person's DNA, but the reproductive cells of that person as well, meaning that the person's eggs and genes, sperm or early embryos, are then altered as well, which means that this procedure is then passed down from generation to generation. And the majority of trials of gene germline therapy involve the treatment of cancer, infectious disease, and vascular disease. But you have to keep this in mind. These therapies are not yet available and or quite legal yet, but we're getting there. So now the most controversial and highly debated topic of genetic engineering. It's a mind boggling topic and it's the main thing that we will be talking, discussing. So drum roll please. Enhancement therapy. So genetic enhancement is the transfer of genetic material 
or genes that are then attended to modify non-pathological human traits. It's the insertion of an additional neural gene to produce a de desired trait. It's commonly used to describe efforts that are to enhance various attributes, such as your intelligence, your height, athleticism, to even your eye and hair color. And get this, enhancement therapy is where designer babies are introduced, where parents have the opportunity to influence their child's traits. You know, whether they want their kid to be super smart or be a jolly green giant and amazing at basketball. And when I found out that the science is creating and allowing people to alter humans in such a way, my initial action was like, this is freaking awesome. But also really freaky. Because we're messing with nature in a, in a way that makes you question, like, what makes us human? What makes you you? And my next thought was, by doing and completing genetic enhancement therapies, aren't humans then kind of playing God? Like, by doing this, aren't we crossing some moral line? And that's how this podcast came about. For I did a whole bunch of research on genetic engineering and whether we are crossing a moral boundary. And then I was like, I need to discuss this with other people. And that's how this podcast came to be. So within this amazing, interesting, mind-blowing podcast, I'll be discussing genetic engineering with some amazing people in the community, such as Dr. Sarah Katie Roberts, who is a professor at Fort Lewis College, and her expertise is held in medical ethics, political philosophy, and theories of justice. I know, she sounds like a pretty cool person. I will also be talking to Pastor Tim, who gives a unique perspective of genetic engineering through a faith perspective. So, stay tuned. Thank you. Alrighty guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of Synthetic Genetics. So you guys kind of already know the basics of genetic engineering, right? Because you listen to me ramble on and on and on about it. So within this amazing, interesting, mind-blowing podcast, I will be discussing genetic engineering with some amazing people within the community. And we'll be discussing whether genetic engineering is even ethical. Why are we wanting to enhance humans? And the first person I was able to talk to was Dr. Sarah Roberts Katie, who, I might add, is quite amazing. See, Dr. Sarah Roberts Katie is a philosophy professor up at Fort Lewis College, and her expertise is held in medical ethics, political philosophy, theories of justice, and ethics in biomedicine. I know, she sounds pretty freaking cool. So, without further ado, let's move on to the questions that me and Dr. Sarah Roberts Katie discussed. So the first question I asked her was kind of a big one. It was, do you think genetically modifying humans is ethical? And her response, 
I think um, genetically modifying humans, like almost anything else we do, can be done in ways that are good for humans or done in ways that are bad for humans. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's by itself ethical or unethical, but I think we need to think about what ways of using that technology are ethically justifiable and which ways are not. She then explains the importances of two different kinds of distinctions that people think about for genetic engineering. Do you remember in the beginning when I was rambling on and on about genetic engineering, the differences between germline and somatic therapy? Well, this is one of those distinctions where Dr. Sarah Roberts Kitty explains to us why this particular distinction is so important to people especially when discussing and thinking about the ethics of genetic engineering. Now the second distinction she explains is the distinction of using genetic engineering to treat disease and then using genetic engineering to enhance. So often when people think about genetic engineering, um, they tend to think that there are two distinctions that are ethically significant. Mm -hmm. One is the distinction between somatic cell engineering mm -hmm. and germline engineering. Mm -hmm. And the other is the distinction between treatment of disease and enhancement. Mm -hmm. And I'd be happy to talk about both of those distinctions a little bit and why they may or may not be ethically significant. Let's start with the somatic versus germline. The, um, so germline genetic engineering, as I know you know, is um, when you modify either a sperm or an egg or a very early embryo and you modify those genes. And, and what happens when you modify it at that level is the resulting individual, um, all of their genes will be modified permanently mm -hmm. in the ways that you modified it. And further, it would become, um, it would be passed on to their offspring. offspring. So any germline cell modifications are permanent. Um, we contrast that with somatic cell genetic engineering, which is a modification of any other cell besides those sex cells. Mm -hmm. um, so your arm or your elbow or your <laughs> liver, right? You know. And those are different because those are always temporary. So you're only modifying the cells you're actually modified in that moment. So you take some liver cells out and you modify those cells and put it back in the liver. And just those cells are modified as well as any offspring of those cells. But any cell line like that is gonna eventually die out. Mm -hmm. And so you've modified just a part of one person's body and you've modified it temporarily. Yes. It's gonna eventually not be changed. And so the, really, the reason that that's an important distinction ethically, most people think, is because you can see the risks and the benefits mm -hmm. of somatic cell are less than the potential risks and benefits of germline cell. It feels like you have a bigger potential impact with germline mm -hmm. cell. And so people, I think, rightly are more cautious about it, about germline modifications. Um, but that doesn't mean that germline modifications are unethical. I don't think that. Mm -hmm. I just think because it's going to have a larger impact on both that individual's life and their offspring, we need to think a lot more carefully and be really mm -hmm. cautious. Yeah. Whereas the somatic cell, we might be willing to take greater risks um, because we know we're not, it's not a permanent like, modification. Yeah. yeah. A second distinction that um, people tend to think is important is the distinction between using genetic engineering to treat disease and using genetic engineering to enhance. Mm -hmm. I actually think this distinction is not so important really? and problematic in a lot of ways. So treatment of disease, we think of um, using 
using um, genetic modifications to treat a genetic disease. So imagine you have a disease, something like cystic fibrosis, which has a really clear genetic origin. People have really um, been interested in the question of whether or not we can uh, cure that disease through genetic changes. And that I think sounds really interesting and intriguing. And that's a use of genetic engineering for treatment of disease that seems really plausible. People tend to be more worried about the use of genetic engineering when that it's just about enhancement. So people imagine someone making their babies taller, changing the eye color, and they're a little more worried about that. And so people often draw this distinction and will say something like this, and policymakers have said this, that use of genetic engineering for treatment of disease, morally acceptable, use of genetic engineering for enhancement, not morally acceptable. I think that is problematic because I think it is more difficult than people acknowledge to make a distinction between treatment of disease and enhancement. I don't think there's a clear line there. Did you catch that part? You know where she said that there isn't a clear line where we make the distinction between treatment of disease and enhancement. This thing got me wondering, and maybe even you were wondering the same thing, Like, what is that line? How do we draw it? Who even draws it? Dr. Robert Cady's take was... I don't think that's the line we need. Okay. Because in order to draw that line, we would need a definition of disease or disability. And we don't have that. You know, most of the ones that people have proposed are deeply problematic. So here's the most standard one. They say... A disease is when there is some abnormal functioning of the body, or they say it's an interference in the normal functioning of the body. But anytime you appeal to normalcy as a standard, you've got a problem because there are, of course, uh, atypical species functions that we wouldn't call disease. If Mm. someone's abnormally tall, or if they have an abnormally large nose, or if they have an abnormally good functioning liver, mm-hmm. right? We don't call that a disease. Yeah. And so I think we have to have a sense of human variation and human difference that doesn't entail disease, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. and so the more interesting question is when are normal, hu- or when are human differences, differences that ought to be treated medically? Mm-hmm. And when are human differences, differences that ought to be just respected uh-huh. and accepted, yeah, right? And I think that gets really fuzzy. So a lot of times um, there are differences in human beings that um, cause problems in people's lives, not because it's really a problem, but because we tend to um, marginalize people who are different. So the big noses is a great example, mm-hmm. right? Like if someone had trouble getting a date because they had a big nose, that does <laughs> impact their life, but I don't think we should solve that by making their nose smaller. Well, yeah. We should solve that by changing society to be exactly. more acceptable to human variation, yeah. right? Like, and I don't think we need to. Yeah. I don't think we need to. I think we need to think about how to be more accepting of human difference. That said, I do think there are differences that we do want to treat with disease. So if mm-hmm. a ch- I mean, with medicine. So if a child is born with a disease that is going to cause them crippling pain mm-hmm. for five years and then they're going to die by age five, oh my gosh, Like label whatever you want. We should definitely try to treat that yeah, and like, prevent that pain yeah. and prevent that early death. And so um, that's a difference that I feel like, yeah, 
we should treat that. And so yeah. what we need is some language and some ways of making distinctions that help us think about which of our differences are differences that it would be a really good idea to treat through medicine mm -hmm. or in this case through genetic engineering mm -hmm. as opposed through to through changing society. She made you kind of think about the definition of disease, right? And then we kind of found out that we don't really have a clear and concise one. And if we are then using genetic engineering to treat so-called disease, who is the one to decide what that disease even is? But when thinking about genetic engineering, specifically enhancement therapy, rather than thinking about curing people with, with a big nose or people to become taller, we should instead focus on whether genetic engineering could help cure a person from cystic fibrosis. And rather than thinking about using this amazing technology to make us become better and more beautiful humans, we should instead try and change society and strive to create the perfect person. And what we need is some language and some ways of making those distinctions that help us think about which of these differences are differences that are a good idea to treat through genetic engineering as to oppose through changing society. But how do we answer this question? Well, remember how I told you Dr. Sarah Roberts Katie is awesome? Well, she is so awesome that she kind of has her own way of solving it, which is thinking about our values, thinking about what's important to us as human beings yeah. and, and how we get to those, to those values. So for me, I like to think of, I really like Aristotle's idea that the primary thing we're after is human flourishing. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? <laughs> it like is. it's human flourishing. And so um, we want to think about how do we use genetic engineering in a way that'll contribute to human flourishing mm -hmm. rather than take away from human flourishing. Yeah. And it seems clear in the case of like the disease that's gonna cause pain and early death for a child. Like gosh, if we use genetic if we can use genetic engineering to prevent that, that would contribute to human flourishing. It'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Whereas it seems really clear that if we use genetic engineering to change someone's eye color, yeah. we might in fact be contributing to a set of social standards about appearance that is not so healthy. Yeah. So instead of using genetic engineering to create the ideal human and perfect human. We should use genetic engineering to help humans flourish. You know, live a pain-free life, essentially. To help alleviate suffering. But alleviating suffering can mean many different things. For Dr. Sarah Roberts, Katie explains, you know, there's real human suffering that comes from being socially marginalized because you have a big nose. But yeah. Right? 
there's real human mm-hmm. suffering that comes from being marginalized because you are much shorter than mm-hmm. other people. There's real human suffering that comes from being marginalized for other differences that people have. And so we don't want to say, hey, if you're suffering, we'll solve it with genetic engineering. Yeah. Because that's yeah, a human yeah. suffering that I don't think we should solve with genetic engineering. Mm-hmm. We should solve it with social change. Yeah. And so just appealing to suffering maybe is insufficient. Uh-huh. We want to think about which ways of solving human suffering are going to in the long term contribute to our well-being. So because enhancement therapy is so blurry about whether it's actually helping humans with their well-being, wouldn't you think it'd be easier just to get rid of the whole enhancement category altogether? I mean, wouldn't it be easier for scientists, ethicists, professors to kind of agree on that? Because, you know, there's no blurriness. For Dr. Roberts, Katie kind of makes you think about enhancement therapy, enhancements a little bit differently and how we actually enhance ourselves on a day-to-day basis. Um, Right now, we use medicine in all kinds of ways for enhancement, and nobody thinks it's immoral. People have boob jobs. That's true. And they do it at hospitals with doctors, right? Oh my gosh, I've never even thought about that. People get nose jobs. And they use medicine to get their nose jobs, right? And so there's all kinds of ways right now, today, people use medicine for enhancement that we don't think is immoral. And so it's not clear to me why we would think that all the other resources of medicine can go into enhancement, but genetic engineering, no way. So again, I guess um, I want to ask this question, like, even if we decide that there are some ways of using genetic engineering that really are probably not that healthy, that are more in the boob job category, mm-hmm. where we probably should be changing society, not our bodies yeah. in that way. But on the other hand, it's not clear to me we ought to say, but if someone chooses to do that, they're immoral, or that we ought to try to prevent them socially. I'm not, I kind of think I want to respect people's like on opinion, liberty. Like things. I'm not even sure I want to say that enhancement if we could say there was a category of enhancement needs to be be rolled rolled out out. yeah interesting i know i didn't even think about how getting a boob job is actually really like enhancing ourselves how some of the little things we actually do is enhancing ourselves this then got me to thinking about designer babies you know, where the parents are able to decide the features and characteristics they wish their child to have. And before, Dr. Sarah Roberts Katie stated that she feels as though she doesn't truly really have the right to say that it is immoral to enhance oneself. So this then got me to thinking, and I asked, is it then moral immoral to enhance something that isn't quite yet a person, a fetus, a baby? And her response was, I do think we have to think pretty carefully about, you know, the difference between allowing, a, you know, a responsible adult to make choices around their own body. You mm-hmm. have a lot more leeway than what we allow parents, decisions that parents make for children. Yeah. 
But I want us to notice that we already give parents a lot of leeway around children. I mean, there's all kinds of ways parents enhance their children. I pay for my kids' piano lessons. I get their haircut in cute ways. Not that often. I'm not that great of a hair mom. <laughs> but lots of other moms do, you know, take yeah. it out and get them their cute haircut and buy them the cutest, latest clothes. And we're technically enhancing our children in all of those ways, right? That's and true, nobody yeah. thinks that's immoral. No, yeah. That's so like, I don't want to, I don't think we want to say again, I don't think we want to say any like, way no. of enhancing kids is not okay. That's silly. We don't because we're that. we're doing that right we now. We are. But we do want to ask if there are some ways of enhancing our kids that would not contribute to human flourishing and that might actually be risky enough that we wouldn't want to allow it. So. Because genetic engineering allows us to have the opportunity to do and become something incredible, this out-of-world thing, is it kind of changing what makes humans human and what makes our mortal and short lives so extraordinary. For genetic engineering has a power to allow us to live forever. How is that right? How, who actually truly wants to live forever? And why is it so important for humanity to decide what makes us human? What makes us us? and what makes our mortality so great. No, I don't think we want medicine to make it such that we'll live forever. Yeah. That's silly, we're mortals. <laughs> we're all gonna die and that's probably good. But I do think that we can use medicine to improve the quality of our lives while we're here. It's hard to even wrap my head around it. But I do think there's something to being finite and being mortal that maybe helps us to um, more greatly appreciate the time we have. Yeah when we recognize our mortality, the few times, we don't usually, we all think we're living forever, but we, we, when those times we're confronted with our mortality, usually are really good for us in recognizing uh -huh. the value of our lives and in appreciating the time we have. But I guess so with the possibility to end disease, to create designer babies, you know, the kind of things that come out of science fiction movies, I kind of have to wonder what is the next generation's future going to be like with genetic engineering? How is it gonna be? What are we gonna do? What's it gonna look like? And Dr. Robert's key hope was that that it will give um, our our doctors and our nurses new tools mm -hmm. for helping us to address. Um, human pain that interferes with the quality of our lives mm -hmm. and so that they can improve the quality of our lives. Yeah. yeah, I hope. But I also recognize like all medicine, we're going to have to be cautious and careful and make sure it's really being used to improve human life uh -huh. rather than make it more difficult. So in the future, when cars can fly and we are creating dinosaurs, we have to make sure genetic engineering helps improve the quality of our lives. And again, Aristotle's great words of wisdom help humans flourish. So while exploring and asking all these different kinds of questions, it then leads to this even bigger question and our even bigger debate. And it's whether humans and people 
are trying to play the role of God through genetic engineering. And what it actually comes down to when talking to Dr. Roberts Katie is that if we feel as though we are doing something wrong, then we probably are. And that God gave us this this amazing ability to do all these different kinds of things and opportunities. And because we are allowed to do these opportunities, it then creates us to have this kind of responsibility and respect and respect the things that God has given us. And which she which she explains. I think what you might be worried about when you say that is that you're worried that we'll use genetic engineering to alter ourselves mm-hmm. to a point that we'll somehow have lost something important. Yes. Um, yeah. And it's not necessarily something that was essential to us. Like, do it, it's not so much that we need to know what it is that's essential to being human, but if there was something of value there that we lose because of genetic engineering, yeah. I suspect that's what you're worried about. Yeah. It. Yeah. So then it comes back to that question of how do we use this technology in a way that's healthy, not hurting? Yeah. Adding value rather than reducing it. We ought not be doing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that maybe only God should do. But then you think, well, what is it that we would be doing that we don't have the authority to do? And it's not about doing things that affect life or death because we do that all the time. Yeah. You decide not to smoke. You decide to extend your life a little bit, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you decide to smoke, you just take on a risk. You decide to eat healthy. You're ex- right. You're yeah, making you're life and death life. decisions yeah. every day and how you drive and how you eat and how you take care of yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I don't think we're playing God every time we make dramatic decisions about mm-hmm. our lives or other people's lives. Okay. We inevitably do that. Uh-huh. If there's a God, he gave us that like that dis- ability like the, yeah, to, be to able affect to each other yourself. every day in life yeah. and death ways. So I'm not sure I even think the term playing God is all that useful. If there's a God, he threw you on this planet and he put a whole lot of opportunities and possibilities in front of you, right? Yeah. And I think the question is only the original one you asked. How do we do this? You know, which uses of technologies mm-hmm. are good uses of technologies and bad uses of t- technologies? Adding in the playing God piece is, is just adding in a confusion, I think, rather than help. I know. A lot to digest and a lot to think about. But Sarah Roberts Katie's main advice for you for when thinking about genetic engineering is what are your morals? What are your values? And you have to incorporate them into how you view the future of genetic engineering is. Because you, the one listening, are also a future for genetic engineering. And the wise words from Aristotle is that people should help and create something to create human flourishing. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you had a great time. And I hope you tune in to the next episode of Synthetic Genetics, where I will be speaking with Mr. Pastor Tim. Thank you guys.